1: Up, Welcome to the uncontested podcast post-game edition where the Thunder have lost to the Milwaukee Bucks 98 to 85. I am your host Jacob Niffin, and we are joined by special guest friend of the podcast Blue Wire Podcast Network family member. He is the co-host of the Eurostep podcast. We have Rohan Cotty with us. Rohan, how's it going, man? I'm doing well. I can't complain here.
2: We, you guys had Ty on here when the, uh, these two teams faced off on Sunday, and Ty had to, Ty had to eat a little crow here. He was, he was coming on after a loss. I get to come on after a Bucks win. They stop a five-game streak. So I'm, I'm doing
1: fantastic. Yeah, you, uh, you totally get to hold this over Ty's head now. Whenever Ty listens to this, I want him to know that whenever the Bucks need a win, all he needs to do is make sure that you are on. Somebody's podcast and uh and the Bucks will pull one out because five game skid for the Bucks like you mentioned uh come in tonight and beat the Thunder on the second night of a back-to-back for the Bucks as well. Rohan, what did you see from the Bucks tonight that was different from the past five games that have been all losses for the Bucks or was there anything different? Was it just that they were going up against an inferior opponent? I wouldn't even say it was an inferior opponent
2: in terms of they had this winning uh this losing streak pardon me and OKC didn't even have shade the first matchup correct so correct, yeah. I wouldn't even I wouldn't even say that this was an inferior opponent I would say this was a solid matchup this team like obviously this team is good they play hard they've got some they've got some dogs on this team this OKC Thunder team so I would not call it uh an inferior opponent but I will say I saw some changes, but it was mainly in like a one quarter stretch. So this game sort of got out of hand for OKC initially uh, at the start of the third quarter when Milwaukee just came out of the half and then they just went on like a uh, 12-0 run to start the half and it just sort of unwound from there. It It was the first time in a little bit that I've seen this Milwaukee team sort of locked in and focused. They started switching everything one through five. They were just actually making correct reads on offense. They they were actually running some offensive sets, which has been tough for them ever since Drew Holiday has been out due to the health and safety protocols. It just looked like a team that was, like, finally locked in.
1: Yeah, I was going to say, this this game, for the most part, if you take out the third quarter, this is a very closely contested yet incredibly ugly basketball game. But like you mentioned, that third quarter, especially at the beginning of it, uh, it seems like the Bucks just came out of the halftime locker room, fired up, and really pulled this one away. I thought, in particular, Giannis looked incredibly aggressive tonight. Yeah, he really did. He, We've talked about this
2: on the Eurostep. He's sort of been struggling in terms of not he uh, by himself, but him and Chris Middleton have been struggling in terms of who's going to take over the primary uh, playmaking responsibilities or shoulder more of the load, I should say, ever since Drew Holiday went out. Chris Middleton initially took that load a lot. Giannis is sort of starting to take it back a little bit. And tonight, he just looked even more and more aggressive. He's starting to face up more. He was hunting for uh, fadeaway mid-rangers. He was just he was hunting for his own shot and hunting for his himself to be the primary creator on offense, which was something that we've sort of seen this transition, like I mentioned, but it was in full force for Giannis instead of Chris tonight.
1: Yeah. Giannis ends with, Oh, I just lost it. uh, 29 points, 19 rebounds, eight assists to steal three blocks and a game high plus 23 on the night. didn't shoot well from three, only one from five, but everywhere else, uh, just super efficient, and, you know, Rohan, I think last Sunday when these two teams met, I thought Al Horford did a phenomenal job guarding Giannis on Tenten Kumpo, all things considered, you know, that, that Horford has aged. Uh, he's not as young and as mobile and as spry as he used to be, but I thought he did a great job guarding Giannis on Sunday night, and to me, tonight, it almost looked like Giannis took that um, almost a little bit personally and really made it an effort to be incredibly physical down low, uh, to get to the rim with those. Just every time I watch him, I've watched this guy for forever now, and I, I don't know if you have the same experience. But every time I watch him, whenever he gets going downhill on like a fast break or even like a semi-fast break, it just blows my mind how much ground he covers with one step. It's, it's ridiculous. And I thought he used that really well to his advantage tonight to just get past Al Horford and get right to the rim. He just, it looked like he almost took what happened on Sunday personally and really put it in his own hands to be incredibly aggressive and physical and and try to carry this team tonight. Yeah, we've seen this with Giannis against Al
2: Horford in the past in the, in the series in the Eastern Conference semifinals two years ago now against uh, Boston when Al Horford was still in Boston. Uh, we saw Al Horford sort of get in Giannis's way, do a great job defending him in game one, and that's where the Celtics won. Then Giannis was like, okay, uh, cool, uh, we're not doing that anymore. And then they went on to win four straight. And give credit to Al Horford. like He's still, he's still a great defender at his position. He still matches up with Giannis, like you said, even though he's not as, not as young. He's lost a little athleticism. He's still a hugely valuable defender, and who knows? Maybe that's going to be coming up here in a little bit uh, here in terms of the NBA calendar, in terms of his value. I don't know. But I don't know. Al Horford did a great job, but there's only so much you can really do.
1: Definitely. No, that's 100%, you know. And there were times where, especially when Horford was out, where the Thunder were trying to match up against Giannis with either Isaiah Roby uh, sometimes with Darius Baisley. It was kind of, <laughs> I felt bad for him. Darius Baisley at one point, I think it was the second quarter, got matched up with Giannis. And you could tell Baisley like really wanted to like prove himself. And he tried to get physical with Giannis. And then on the rebound, Giannis just bumped him and like pushed him like six or seven feet just out of the picture and got the rebound. And I was like, yeah, Baisley, you might want to hit the weight room a little bit more before you go up uh, against Giannis. I, actually tonight, I watched the game with my fiance. And I said something about how just big Giannis has gotten. And she was like, I don't know. He was kind of muscular in his rookie year. And I was like, no, hold on, pause. And I pulled up like a rookie picture of Giannis versus a today picture. My God, man. Like, no wonder this guy's from Greek because he's like a a Greek god just with how his body is shaped. Now, that man has put on so much muscle. It is insane.
2: I think it's like – they said close to like maybe like 50 pounds or something Jesus. maybe not that much cuz he's also gotten taller so that adds to it yeah he's but, just
1: yeah. he's chiseled it's insane but so so Giannis really put the team on his back tonight as far as the thunder are concerned this was just a really ugly game the thunder shoot 36% from the field 30% from 3 52% from the free throw line and they just could not get anything going. The Bucks played good defense. The Thunder did get some good looks that they just, it seemed especially in that third quarter, they just missed everything. You know, you look down the Thunder roster and there are very few players, if any, that shot over or at 50% from the field. Kenrich Williams, 2 of 4. Isaiah Roby, 4 of 5. That's it. Nobody else shot better than 50%. Um, including Shea Gilgis-Alexander, who shot a putrid 25% from the field. did shoot 40% from three. Um, But, Rohan, what did you see about from the the Thunder's young guys specifically? I want to get your kind of feel. Uh, We're talking Shea Gilgis-Alexander, Teo Maladone, Lou Dort, Darius Baisley, uh, Hamadou Diallo. What do you see in some of these Thunder young guys that even though tonight wasn't their night, I think the Thunder are looking more long-term, three, four, five years from now what these guys will be able to do. What did you see from these guys tonight that, that you think the Thunder have uh, maybe something to look forward to with some of these guys? Well,
2: let's start with Shea here. He missed the first matchup, like I mentioned earlier. Uh, but tonight, he showed a lot. I, I'm a big Shea fan. He is going to be an absolute problem in this league for a long time. One thing I think he did struggle with a little is when the Bucks started to go to a switch-everything lineup uh, in the second half, he sort of, he sort of got greedy when he uh, got Brook Lopez switched onto him on a one-five pick and roll, and so he's like, okay, I can take Brook Lopez off the dribble. So what he does is he tries to get around him, get to the rim. Brook is surprisingly laterally quick, but he still he can't handle Shea. Shea is just he's too good, but Shea didn't really recognize the backside help that was coming. Counterpoint to that. Shea was matched up against, uh, was it Giannis? I think on one possession, late third quarter, early fourth quarter, something like that. Late in the shot clock, uh, sort of drives to the rim, puts up like a weird shot that sort of flips in, and he wasn't even looking to draw a foul, even though I think he did get fouled on the play and it just wasn't called. But it's just that sort of aggressiveness, even though like in the first example, he missed the shot, he didn't recognize the backside help, but he's still aggressive in getting to the rim. I like the fact that even though he shot three of twelve from the field and two of five from three, he was still getting shots up. He was still trying his best to put the team on his back. It was just great to see from Shea, my favorite player, though. From this game, I will say, Lou Dort. Lou Dort is an absolute. He's an absolute baller. My goodness, one play I think he tried to get a foul call on Chris Middleton driving to the lane, and he he looked a little frustrated, slammed his hands on the court. You know what he did right away? He just immediately got up and sprinted back in transition. Like, this guy, this guy plays with so much heart, and he's just, he's just good. He was splashing threes, 3 of 7 from 3. I look at that now, I feel like he hit more than that. It really feels like he went, like, 5 of 8 from 3, at least when I was watching it. It was just... I don't know. He he's gonna be good. Shea's gonna be good. It was just those two were those two were absolute ballers against a great well, not this season, I will say, but in terms of like these this Bucks team has some good defenders on it and they were still getting their own, which is impressive to see at for such young players.
1: Definitely. I think you hit the nail on the head with Shea tonight. He has made his living this season in running pick and roll. Uh, just with whoever will set a screen for him. It's, it's not doesn't have to always be Al Horford. He runs a lot of pick and roll. And his game this season has been get deep into the paint and then kick out and, um, and, and make plays for others. You know, you mentioned his aggressiveness tonight, but he only takes 12 shots compared to Lou Dort's 16, Al Horford's 14. Shea was the third leading shot taker on his team tonight. I think he's only averaging like 16 field goal attempts a game. Now, he did get to the free throw line nine times, which is encouraging. But I think tonight his big problem, the switching and then getting in the lane and just the length of Milwaukee really bothered him to where he couldn't really find, you know, he, he's a big fan of driving in, kind of putting his shoulder down a little bit, creating separation and hitting like a little 12 to 14 foot, just like a mid-range pull-up or doing his like super crafty, like up and under types, types of moves. And it seemed like Milwaukee's length really bothered him with that tonight to where he would get deep into the paint and then be stuck with with nowhere to go after he picked up his dribble. There was no shot. There really wasn't a good look on any kickouts or anything like that. So I I think Milwaukee's length definitely affected him. But just like you said, I I like that he tried to stay aggressive. He tried to keep getting into the paint. He did draw those fouls, which is good to see. Um, and surprising that he goes three of twelve because he's shooting fifty one percent from the field and like thirty nine percent from three this season. He's been incredibly efficient uh, tonight. A a kind of not normal off game for him, but I think a lot of that's credit to the Milwaukee defense and their length. And like you mentioned, Dort. You, I f- I feel like Dort is like a sweetheart across the league right now. Just everybody loves watching this this kid. Undrafted, you know, starts on a two-way contract in the G League, works his way up, and and becomes known for you know really what he did last playoffs against Harden, just put that man in a straight jacket. Yep, that's what I, that's what I was about to say. <laughs>
2: you you're gonna get a lot of points when you have a great story, great player, great kid, and you just clamp up Harden. Yeah. <laughs> You're gonna get a lot of fans that way. I feel like he's at he's almost basically at Boban levels of likability. I would say.
1: <laughs> I love it. I love it. Now we just need to get Lou Dort in the next John Wick movie, and everything oh will be great. Oh my goodness,
2: that would be that'd be better than Boban.
1: <laughs> yeah, I although I don't know if if John Wick could kill Lou Dort. Lou Dort might kill John Wick, and that'd be the end of the series. No, John Wick would never be able to leave
2: like whatever he's in. Like <laughs> Lou Dort, he would just try. You would. He would block his path. He would do whatever it takes. He would play as much defense, face to face, man to man, as he could on John Wick. John Wick I, would have nothing on Lou Dort.
1: I love it. I love. It. Um, one of my favorite things this year is how much that that one clip of Lou guarding LeBron James has just gone absolutely viral on NBA Twitter um, and, and on all these different fan sites and even though like that that possession and that defense by Lou on LeBron in that game was awesome i think it does something a little bit more that gets people like oh okay this kid can play defense and they start to tune in more to what Lou is doing if he doesn't get second team all defense this year i think next year might be a lock for him um you know the thunder aren't a great team this year their defense has been getting better i think they're up to like 13th in the league right now in defensive efficiency but whenever this team gets good again and they're like a top 10 defensive team, Lou Dort's going to be in the running for a defensive player of the year. I feel very strongly about that. Some homerism might be coming out there, but I think it's legit. This kid is, I mean, you throw him on really anyone. He can guard one through four and, and just make life a living hell on people. And he's been super impressive to watch. Flip side of that coin though, Rohan, Darius Baisley for the Thunder tonight only gets 21 minutes. Uh, Didn't play down the stretch in the fourth quarter. Seemed as though the Thunder benched him, which is mildly surprising. Baisley has had a very up-and-down season so far. Uh, There's been no consistency whatsoever. But a mere five nights ago, whenever these teams met for the first time, Baisley had a hell of a game where he had like three or four dunks. He looked incredibly aggressive with splash and threes. Tonight comes out, hits two of two from the three-point line, but misses all five shots inside the arc. I think Giannis maybe blocked like three of them. I know he got blocked by, by Brooke Lopez once. Uh, just a very uh, underwhelming game from Darius Baisley. Yeah, it's tough. Like, he's 20 years
2: old. <laughs> These things are going to happen. Uh, right, 20? I believe him, yes, right? Yes, yes. uh, uh so yeah, these things are sort of going to happen. It's uh, it's part of the it's part of the young player experience. Plus, it's it's rare for a team to start like two seven footers. This is sort of what you were alluding to with Shea earlier in terms of like Milwaukee's length and strength. I would say, uh, because they do start Giannis and Brook Lopez. Like that's that's not common for teams to start two seven footers. Plus, you've got like six nine six eight guys in there as well. It's just, it's tough for any team. and But the thing is, it's rare. Like I mentioned, this isn't going to be against every team. This isn't going to be, like, a common thing, uh, a common problem that he's going to run into. It's just, I feel like, in terms of his game tonight, he just, it's, it's just part of the learning experience. Plus, like Milwaukee, this team, over the last, like, three years, takes every single matchup extremely personally. They had a thing, like a year or two years ago where they just refused to lose back-to-back games well that's flipped now because they just lost five in a row but they they made it like a personal vendetta to not lose uh, more than one game in a row and they would just they would come out with a fire unlike no other after they lose a game uh did that hurt them come the postseason yes Um, and these things you know they adapt they move on this is why we see what's happening uh this year with milwaukee but this team is still takes things very personally. They must have seen Darius Baisley just like you know, like you mentioned, going off, getting some highlight reels in there, and they're like, "Okay, we're we're not doing this anymore. We're capable of shutting this kid down. We're gonna shut this kid down tonight."
1: Definitely, and we've mentioned in our podcast before, but days, Baisley's last three years as a basketball player has been. Very unorthodox, right? he He skips the college route and goes with the internship at at New balance. So effectively takes a year off from organized basketball, comes to the league where he plays um, you know, originally got drafted to a team that had Paul George, Stephen Adams, and Russell Westbrook on it, and that immediately gets blown up, plays about two thirds of a season before the CoVID shutdown. Um, this season is also very weird. So a lot of these second-year players have just had a very weird first two years in the league. Really nothing ever like it in the history of the NBA. And so I think he's just struggling a little bit to adjust on a, on a lot of levels. Also, this team got rid of all of their, their veteran leaders from last year. Chris Paul no longer here. Dennis Schroeder no longer here. Steven Adams no longer here, which kind of forced guys like Shea and Baisley and Dort to step up and take more of a leadership role, not only on the court, but off the court as well. It's a lot for a 20-year-old man. Like when I was 20, I was an idiot, right? And I didn't do anything good. So it's hard to really like evaluate a guy like Darius Baisley. Um, I I think it's only natural for a guy to be inconsistent at that point in time in their professional career. Uh, And it's totally understandable.
0: We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate Just go to indeed.com slash blue wire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's indeed.com slash blue wire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed.
1: So, Rohan, before we get to some Twitter questions that our fans send in, uh, I wanted to ask you real quick for our fans' sake. We know. Giannis Antetokounmpo signed the Supermax extension in the offseason. He is staying in Milwaukee. Milwaukee makes the move to get Drew Holiday, which I think was a phenomenal pickup for that team. With the struggles so far this season, uh, apparently coming off now this five-game losing streak, um, just just not really performing at the level they have the past few years. Obviously, this team is solely focused on making a run in the postseason after a couple of years of, I think, you know, everyone thought that they were NBA Finals bound and have fallen very short of that. How do you see the rest of this season playing out for Milwaukee? And specifically, with, like you mentioned, the trade deadline coming up here in about a month, do you think Milwaukee are going to be is going to be buyers and going to try to make a move at the deadline? Or is this the roster they have moving forward that they're going to try to win a title with? It's tough because they do not have a ton
2: of tradable contracts. Their only real tradable contracts are Brooke Lopez and DJ Augustine. Uh, DJ Augustine fresh signing. It's tough for any team to really move off of that so quickly, especially when he's their only real backup point guard. Brooke Lopez has been he's been he's been struggling this year to say the least. Uh, he's uh, he's not really finding his way in these altered offensive and defensive schemes for Milwaukee. So if there was one player that could be traded, I would say it's probably him, especially because Bobby Portis has been thriving as the backup center. And, you know, you could also just play Giannis at center. Like, that's an option. We saw them go to that in their game against the Denver Nuggets a week or two ago, and it just, it worked wonders. So that's also a viable possibility. It's just, it's tough to see a guy like Brook Lopez, who's sort of, he he's definitely lost a step but if they have an opportunity to change up this roster a little bit, I think they should, and they probably will. Uh, John Horse the GM, has not really been shy about doing these sort of things. He's made big moves at the trade deadline in the past, most notably the now infamous Nikola Mirotic trade, but he, uh, he had good intentions, I'll say that. Uh, <laughs> didn't really work out that well. I still, I st- I'll say this, I still believe that it was a good trade for the upside potential. Okay, I'm done hurting myself. Um, (laughs) But yeah, I think there'll be buyers if they have the opportunity. Because what we've seen in these, you know, this little skid that we've been talking about is that Drew Holiday, because he's been out, he cannot be the sole reason that this team just falls apart like they have. Like, just him being out should not be the sole reason that they just, just lose games, just lose a ton of games that can't be the reason he this is his first season with the team he can't be that important of a piece already to the team's culture and morale I should say he is a very important uh, player to the team overall but he's still in an in ideal world he's still their third best player that can't really happen uh with your third best player missing time so your team just sort of sputters so I think if this trade deadline is coming up soon like it is they have to be buyers and I think they probably will be
1: Nice. So let's just hypothetically say that they do start shopping Brook Lopez, uh, decently sized contract around ten or eleven million. Is that right? Yes. So it is the thought that if they trade Lopez, they are trying to get another center. I know you mentioned Bobby Portis and how he's been playing, sliding him in at the five. I think, you know, that idea is alluring, but then. If you end up in a in a playoff matchup against, say, Philadelphia, where Joel Embiid went for goddamn fifty and seventeen tonight, like you know, you you want a good, really defensive-minded center, kind of in the middle to handle some of those those bigs. If you go to the finals and have to play against Anthony Davis, et cetera, if they trade Brooke, do you think the idea is to bring in a different center, or would they just be looking to just get whatever's available?
2: I think they would probably go for maybe a wing and aim for getting another center at the buyout market. That's my thought because there's potential for like a JaVale McGee. Yeah. Let's say that. That's that's a, a target that Ty has been talking about for a little bit. Andre Drummond is not feasible. And if we're talking, uh, against Philly, I don't want Andre Drummond anywhere near Joel Embiid. <laughs> also just the contract is just massive. So that yes. wouldn't work out in general. But if they were to trade Brooke Lopez, I would say they would probably go for a wing because there's not really any centers that are making Brooke Lopez money if you're trying to go straight one for one. So you'd have to sort of mess with the roster a little bit. And, like if you're if you're uh, trying to trade for another center like that, like if like a defensive-minded center who could also space the floor in theory, you should probably just keep Brook Lopez and hope for the best. No, that's <laughs> so fair. So it's fair. Yeah, if if you're going to trade Brook Lopez, I would say trade him for like maybe a different backup point guard that's not DJ Augustine, uh, considering, or uh or maybe like a backup shooting guard. Because uh, Bryn Forbes, he he sort of has his uh, struggles on the defensive end come playoff time. We've seen in his uh, tenure with the San Antonio Spurs. But so if you were going to trade Brooke, I would say just show up on wing depth. That's just a general rule overall in terms of
1: NBA basketball. Yeah, no, for but. sure. What what assets does Milwaukee have left in the arsenal after, you know, giving up the, the treasure trove of first round picks in the Drew Holiday trade? They
2: have like two second-round picks or something.
1: Okay, interesting. Yeah. See, <laughs> they, don't, they don't really have. A well, lot. you know, you you're talking to somebody who covers a team that my mindset is like constantly in asset collection mode for this That's Thunder fair. team, That's right? Fair. Hey, all I'm saying is that uh, that Brook Lopez contract kind of matches up with the Trevor Ariza contract almost perfectly. Ooh, and there's a. Toss, toss a, a decent second round pick in there, and I bet the Thunder, uh, the Thunder take their take their second round pick and just move on with their day. So, yeah, I'm sure Sam Presti would be happy about just that. Just that's, throwing it uh, out there. Just throwing it out there. That's actually
2: really interesting. I know we we've talked Brook Lopez trades in the past, but it was for a different player. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> that's 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 in the past. Everyone's moved on. <laughs> but that's actually really interesting. Because wasn't is Trevor a reason not set on an LA
1: team or am I making that up uh I mean he's still on Thunder roster he's just chilling at his house right now probably no yeah like I thought so I think uh I know Woj said a while back that like the Lakers would be interested and that Sam Presti really never does buyouts like ever um I don't think he'd be interested in buying out Trevor Ariza um, because if anyone thinks you're interested in buying out Trevor Ariza, why would they trade for him? Right? You just wait till the buyout happens. So I don't think a buyout is in the cards here. Um, I do. I mean, saying that the Lakers would be interested is like the biggest no shit statement ever, right? <laughs> the, if if you have been in the NBA and you have a pulse, I think the Lakers are interested. So um, I, I think that's probably kind of where that rumor comes from. But I do think the Thunder are actively trying to find a home for. For Trevor Ariza, you know, another interesting one. It would never happen, ever. Uh, I don't even think legally it can happen. But, you know, you mentioned a backup point guard. It just feels like George Hill back in Milwaukee would just fit perfectly for kind of that need that you're talking about, kind of a rangy wing slash guard. He can play defense. He can hit a three. Um, I know And talking to Ty last week, he told us, you know, that, that George Hill was a, a really, really important part for that team last year. Obviously, when you have the chance to trade him for Drew Holiday, you do that 10 times out of 10. Um, George Hill with some interesting comments on his departure from Milwaukee uh, and that he thought a little bit of it was uh, politically motivated. But he seems almost like the the ideal prototype of a player that Milwaukee could maybe use right now. Yeah, he definitely does. It's just,
2: when ever since George Hill has been gone, so this season, we've sort of realized that this guy did not really shoot the ball at all. He was so passive in terms of being a backup point guard. Like, he was was leading the league in three-point percentage. That was his hallmark last season. But it was on so few attempts per game. He would actively pass out of open threes. Would I take him over DJ Augustine right now? Yes. Maybe I just talk myself into it. <laughs> <laughs>
1: well, I, I don't think because he never actually went to New Orleans and then to Oklahoma City. It was the the three team deal. You know, it yeah. wasn't a one team and then uh, a, a two team deal and then a separate two team deal. So he can't be traded back to the team that he was previously on. So I don't even think it's legal for him to go. Back I, yeah, to, to I don't Milwaukee. believe it's legal. <laughs> so um, we we've been having this discussion because. Uh, you know, the Thunder are now listed as the, the betting favorites to land. Blake Griffin from Detroit. Um, but Trevor Ariza cannot be included for salary matching purposes in that deal because Detroit was his last team, although it's hard to follow because Ariza was like on half the league over this past offseason, how much he got passed around. <laughs> it was the Luke Ridnour tour all over again. So. Oh, what a
2: throwback. <laughs>
1: I think Luke was literally on like nine teams that one summer.
2: Yeah. It was just in like a span of like two weeks. Yeah, too, Poor guy.
1: It? I hope no. I hope every team just told him like, Hey, don't get on an airplane yet. Just hold off. Cause that I guy, wonder if
2: he was like, after the fourth time, he was like, "Should I just stay home? Yeah. Like, am I going to end up back at the same <laughs> I'll just wait till
1: like a week before training camp and see which team I'm on. Yeah. Can't blame him. All right. Well, Rohan, let's take a few Twitter questions before we get you out of here. Um, we had some apparently some Bucks fans and some Thunder fans get in on this, so we'll just grab a couple real quick. Uh, let's start with uh, I'm, I'm assuming this is a Bucks fan, Keith uh, Keskinian. I don't know how to pronounce that. I'm so sorry, Keith, if I butchered this. Um, from at K E S K K K I K ninety three, he says, "Do we still want to fire Bud?" Yes.
2: this position has not really changed he made an adjustment to start this game in terms of putting dj augustine in the starting lineup instead of Bryn forbes it did work wild having a point guard in your starting lineup is good uh but i guess credit to that but still still no still no i still think this team has a higher ceiling with a different head coach uh so yes we still want to fire bud we've been wanting to fire bud
1: Let's just say hypothetically, Milwaukee does make a coaching change. Who is your ideal candidate to come in? Realistic, right?
2: Realistic. Darvin Ham, currently an assistant coach for the Milwaukee Bucks, uh, the Ham Sandwich himself. <laughs> uh, just he's been gathering some coaching buzz around the league. I know uh, Woj had a story about like up and coming assistant coaches. Like he made serious run in that Clippers uh, interview before Ty Lue got the job. It was, uh, he almost got the Pacers job. He's using, he, he was in the running for a bunch of jobs these past two seasons. So it's only a matter of time before he's stolen off the bucks to begin with. So might as well just get him for yourself. Cause he's, he seems really, uh, in tune with what this team wants to do as an identity in terms of like how they want to reach their goals, maximize the talent on the roster. Uh, ever since he's joined the team for the last two years, so I feel like an inter- if there was to be a coaching change, and most realistically, knowing Milwaukee's ownership, it would probably be internally, so probably Darvin Ham.
1: I like it. I like it. Um, I want to say there was you know, a, a, a short list made of who the Thunder should interview whenever Billy Donovan left this past offseason, uh, and he was on that list. I don't know if he ever actually interviewed for the job. I don't know who interviewed for that job because the Thunder are so tight-lipped. Um so but but I do remember his name coming up uh, as a possibility for the thunder job as well. So very good. Uh we'll take one thunder one as well from at Black Dolphin 5. Uh it says why was this game so unfun to watch? Is this thunder team finally falling back to their talent level? Um I'll take a stab at this one first Rohan. I I think the thunder just kind of for lack of a better term they 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 walked walked into Uh, Milwaukee, to a team that had lost five straight, was probably very motivated to get a win. Uh, And the Thunder had a very off night as far as uh, shooting is concerned. Like I mentioned, the the Milwaukee defense really affected the Thunder tonight, I think that length especially. But the Thunder had a lot of open looks that they just couldn't knock down. I mean, the team shot like 53% from the free throw line, right? Nobody's defending the free throw line. So the Thunder just had a, a generic off night. Uh, it seemed like their energy level was a little bit lower as well. This Thunder team, um, even though they've been losing games, has become a team that I think is known for really grinding out games and, and giving 100% and making life hell for other teams. Other teams walk into the Thunder and say, oh, this is a game we should win, right? They're, they have nine active players. Um, you know, maybe Shay sitting tonight or this or that, or whatever, we should be able to walk all over this team. And they realize, Oh God, we're going to have to play hard to win because the thunder just worked their asses off. It felt like a little bit of that was missing tonight. Uh, I think uh, this just happens in an NBA season, right? We're like a little over a third of the way into this season. We're getting close to that halfway mark with the all-star break. And it just seemed like the thunder had an off night, which, which happens, um, But I also think, you know, the Thunder have overachieved for most of this season so far. They have more wins at this point than I thought they would. They've competed at a higher level so far than I thought they would. So maybe this is a regression to the means. Do you have any thoughts on this? I thought, not even
2: just for the Thunder, I thought it was a bad game for Milwaukee too in terms of like the first half. And like they... They let the Thunder sort of get back into this game. Did they cut it to single digits, or it was like a 10-point game it got, at one If point? it
1: didn't get to single digits, it got to 10. I want to say at one point it got to 9 off of maybe like a Ludort 3 or something like that. But then Milwaukee immediately right. pushed it back open.
2: Yeah, and there was a 20-point-plus lead uh, in the third quarter. So credit to the Thunder TV. It was just – it was a – it was just a rough game for an NBA standards. Yes. Like even uh even Milwaukee, they weren't shooting that great at all. Like Chris Middleton shot thirty-eight point nine percent, seven for eighteen. Brooke Lopez three of eight, Dante two for eight. Just everyone besides Giannis who cracked fifty percent was just awful. Uh, in terms of shooting. Yeah, I mean, but
1: this is a yeah. game where neither team broke 100 points, and it's the year of our Lord 2021. Like, there should never be an NBA team that can't get to 100 points, and neither of these teams did tonight. So that kind of tells you how ugly of a game it was. Yeah, it's
2: just – it was a, <laughs> it was an NBA basketball game that was technically played. Uh, but yeah. <laughs> it was just – it was an ugly one. These things happen. There's a lot of them that occur throughout a season. Uh <laughs> these these games happen.
1: Yep. And and like we said, and, you know, it it's the middle of February. These guys, you know, have been grinding in really rough environments where they're getting COVID tested like twice a day and you know, traveling all the time but not being able to go out and do anything and being locked up in hotel rooms and uh th- these types of things just happen. It's human nature, right? So Exactly. All right, well, Rohan, I promised you like twenty-five minutes, and we've gone well over that. So uh, I will get you out of here. Any parting thoughts on the Bucks win over the Thunder before we hang it up? Uh, I'll just say it was
2: good to get a win from Milwaukee's perspective, but full credit to OKC, man. This team is this team's fun. This team's fun. Uh, my I have family from Oklahoma, so I've always really been uh, I've always really been a fan of this team. So it's good to see this team really grow.
1: Awesome. Well, hey. You're happy that the that Milwaukee broke a slump and got a win. Hey, with this loss, the Thunder are now um, the fifth best odds in the NBA lottery. So, and you don't even need a tank to get Cade. They they the Thunder currently have a 42% chance at a top four pick and a 10% chance at the number one overall pick. That's all you can ask for, man. They have gotta love the new lottery odds. Oh yeah, the Thunder have their own pick. Well, the best two out of three, out of, of their own, Houston and Miami. The Thunder get the two best picks out of those three. All three of those teams currently in the lottery at 10th or worse in the league. So, hey, the more ping pong balls the Thunder can get, I think the better off they are. Like you mentioned, go get Cade, and then everything changes. So, All right. Ooh, that outro music's kind of loud. Hey, thank you guys so much for checking out The Uncontested. We really appreciate you. Thank you to Rohan for coming on with us tonight. Rohan, we really appreciate you as well. We will be back with you guys again Sunday night, 9 p.m., live on YouTube, Twitter, and Facebook for our weekly live stream. We will have on Justin from the Chase Down Pod, the new official podcast of the Cleveland Cavaliers. So pretty, pretty awesome for them. Until then, you guys stay warm, stay healthy. Have a good weekend. Go check out Rohan's podcast, the Eurostep podcast. Covers all things Milwaukee Bucks. He and Ty do amazing work over there. Check out Blue Wire Podcasts, too. We have a ton of NBA pods, or if you're looking for an NFL pod, or really any sports pod, it's the place to be. Again, we will be back with you guys Sunday evening. Until then, take it easy. Thunder up.